Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piskor. I'm Jim Rugg. And Jimmy and I are going to be doing a little bit of traveling this year. Uh, in uh, October 28th through 30th, we're going to be at the Baltimore Comic Con. Come out and see us, man. This was the birthplace of Cartoonist Kayfabe. So it holds a special spot in Kayfabe history. And uh, share that with us when we're in town. Jacksonville Public Library, October 22nd. Jimmy's going to be in Florida for a zine fest. And he's going to be the man of the hour there. Still October, so here are your prompts. Get to drawing. We're going to uh, reshare as much of that stuff as possible, and we have these prompts uh, pinned to the top of our uh, social media on Instagram and Twitter. The videos are brought to you by the books that we make, and this is what we have uh, on the stands fresh for you guys. Uh, Red Room, the Antisocial Network, and Trigger Warnings trade paperbacks are out there in the wild. Thank you for uh, supporting them in the ways that you are. Uh, Jim Rugg has Hulk Grand Design Monster in Madness in issue format, but it's going to get that Treasury Edition format in early 2023. And Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive trade paperback is back in print, collecting all of the Image Comics Street Angel works out there. Without further ado, let's get a little of the Engelhart, Marshall Rogers, Batman, Under the Microscope, long time coming, nearly four years of putting this channel together. Uh, this is one of the coveted runs of uh, of Batman comics, uh, of collaborative comics history. Might as well put one of these under the under the microscope. I think I did about 12 issues together in total. And uh, just through piecemeal in various places, man. If it's uh, the greatest Batman stories ever told, the greatest Joker stories ever told. Got this issue and a couple of coverless ones. Like, I, I have at least half that run. This issue holds some significance to me, man, because like when... Uh, I got that that famed collection from a house that was 500 feet from where I rested my head at a garage sale for $50. Uh, my pops hit me up. And you know how sometimes, like, you're a little short with your folks, man. Yeah, yeah, what's up? What do you want? Son, come over. Go to the basement. I bought 18 boxes of comics today. And I was like, what? How do you even do that? And I was like, imagine a long boxes. Went to that basement, and it was not long boxes. It was milk crates, and it was like taquito boxes that are like super, you know, like Costco amount of taquitos. And that really excited me, because this is not a person from fandom. You know, this is not a person who's like archiving, and all, they might not know what they have. And my pops paid $50 for i think it turned out to be about eight or nine long boxes full of comics that i had to buy and there was representation of all the great collaborative runs in mainstream comic history from ditko lee spider-mans to ramita lee spider-mans to kirby lee fantastic fours to john byrne chris claremont x-men to bernie wrights and len Wein swamp things uh, to the junkie issue that we use for the Green Lantern, like that was in that box, and this is uh, one of the Marshall Rogers, uh, Steve Englehart comics that were in the box. Man, the first appearance of that modern day Suicide Squad, Deadshot. Man, shouts to Michelle Fife, who's definitely watching this episode. <laughs> Dude, that that memory of like the box of comics, not not the long box or the short box or the box dedicated to comics, but just like the random box. Yeah. The the first comics that I would see my buddy in elementary school had, we would usually be watching horror movies or something on a weekend, but I would see like they would have like their box of comics, him and his brother, and it was just like random big brown cardboard box, books laid flat, 
you know, like no care whatsoever given to them. And you're right, like that is the non-collector storage of these comics, and they were just red copies like this. Yeah. That's a good memory. Yeah, yeah. This guy, like, he... It's interesting, because, like, I can't profile him. It was, it was like, a relative that was selling this stuff. And he wasn't a part of fandom or whatever, but there were, like, little glimpses, like... Uh, there's a run of Iron Fist that was in there, except for the Sabretooth issue. So he had some smarts, like, with that piece, at the very least. But they're all in reasonable condition. So he might not be a part of fandom, but he still took care of his shit. Because this is a pretty, you know, this is a well-taken-care-of comic. And uh, I've, I've been wanting to get some Marshall Rogers Englehart uh, Batman under the microscope. That was a request that we would see every now and then uh, in the comments. So I was just going through shit, man, dusted this one off. Uh, I think that we'll, we'll probably go through others. Some of the stuff that was in those, those greatest Batman books. Those are classic stories. I feel like there's a Marshall Rogers influence on a guy like Todd McFarlane. I do too. It's yeah, very totally. detailed, very precise. I think his background might have been as an architect. It was, yes. So you Trained see that, that come in, you know, with these like cityscapes and just detail is, is the best word I can think of to kind of describe his style. It's, it's dynamic. It's interesting, but it's very tight. Yes, let me ask you this, uh, Jimmy. The Shadow of the Batman, uh, classic tales by Steve Englehart Rogers and Austin. So uh, it just collects the the Englehart Rogers stuff, like no no other in between things. There might be a fill in in there somewhere. Just the uh, pad. Maybe where out. the team isn't totally together, but it's kind of like in the in the run. There yeah, might yeah. be. I'm, I'm, I can't remember for sure, and I think I'm missing one of these as well. What, once a direct market is established, uh, they. Those companies, they find ways to start to, to, to sell old rope and, and, and make a couple of dollars. And they would have all their big runs. You know, I have the Len Wein uh, rights in Swamp Thing, Roots of Swamp Thing, yep. it was called. There was a Dead Man one. Um, there was, like, uh, Green New Arrow, Gods. Green Lantern. Yeah, New Gods. That was, that was my first collection of, like, all the New Gods was in that format. Yeah, you know what this format is, this reissue? Because Marvel did it, too. Warlocks they did, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it was the before trade paperbacks. It was, but yeah. it was like stuff that fandom knows about. Yeah, how do we get it out to people? Because impossible to find back issues of these like complete runs, mm -hmm. even if you could afford them. So these were these were nice formats. You know, this is your '80s version of like classic comics. You get access to a little bit more color when you color on this paper and go and go through this process, uh, and just like kind of look at how how crap some of the color is to an extent. But it looks like Marshall Rogers did the color on this one. But like stuff like this green over top, this green caption over top of the dinosaur tail, that feels dumb. And some of the lighting and modeling on the coin done with just the old school methods, that just gets flattened out. Weird greens there. Yeah, some weird credit changes, right? So we have pencil and art for Marshall Rogers. Interesting that they include the word art as yeah. part of his credits, because Terry Austin obviously inking both of them. But you have a colorist here versus in these redone issues, Marshall Rogers hand handling the color himself yeah. on the reprints. Yeah. We're going to stick with the newsprint. It's a format I enjoy most, man. And uh, off the bat, with this splash page, uh, some of the things that I made note of when I when I first read the their collaboration is the thick panel borders which suggests the golden age and the the first letter of each caption has that kind of bold mm -hmm. hyphenated drop cap yes and that is what they would do in the old detective comics also so they're very consciously making some effort to do some throwback stuff to the Batman comics of yore when uh, they're embarking on their 
collaboration. And and for those uh, playing at home uh, with the podcast, we're looking at number 474 of Detective Comics. I think Terry Austin, you know, this is from 1977. Uh, there were the the burn X-Men comics were happening. And I think Terry Austin is a very important piece of that mixture, man. Yeah, absolutely. With, with these tight pen lines and his ability to uh, to just get all of that kind of detail in there. There was no other inker doing that because I think Terry Austin was not shy about using a tech pen to do his to do his ink work. You see it here, he would use many different sizes and shapes. So uh, you would get like a bolder outer line on these chest pieces and then thinner inner lines. He would do that a lot with his comics. This is a, this is a super funny page to me because it's, we have to, we have to find a way. This is a very Marvelized version of Batman. Steve Englehart did his first tour of duty over at Marvel for a while. Captain America writer wrote a bunch of books and it reading this issue made me feel like the editorial mandate was like, let's, let's Marvel up this these these characters a little bit uh so you have your your robin is basically peter parker and he's doing his complaints about term papers and college so we have to remind everybody he's the teen wonder yeah he's he's away a lot at school he's no longer the boy wonder um if fights in superhero comics is sex uh oh boy frederick wortham was right because these boys are sword fighting uh. right here but these boys are docking uh, and certainly embarked in some kind of foreplay because our teen wonder, who's now barely, barely legal, you know, like a, a, a college uh, undergrad. Wortham would call it grooming. <laughs> He's still rocking them little tidy whities except they're green. Yeah, very awkward exchanges. They wrestle. Yes. <laughs> they wrestle in the Batcave. <laughs> Listen to those George Takei episodes of Howard Stern and you learn about the importance of wrestling. Also, a plug for uh, Teen Titans in here, right? Gotta wanna, do if it. If you guys want to follow Robin's adventures after he gets done rolling around on the ground with Batman, go check out Teen Titans 53. <laughs> There's this chick called the Harlequin, and... and yes, there and, is. And that, uh, that fascinates me. First off, I never knew about that. But me either. Is this pro a prototype Harley Quinn, huh? It's strange, because I've never heard her mention, you know, in regards to that character, but practically the same name, same gimmick concept yeah female joker right pretty cool you often will get these like very tiny panels that have some complex background stuff uh, i feel like you talked about marshall rogers influence todd mcfarland and those guys this is a todd mcfarland this is an image comics establishing shot right here we just get that kind of outer shell of a of a building uh not obtrusive let's get in there real quick and i guess on the previous issue you could probably attest if you look through that that uh reprint book you have that last issue was probably a Penguin adventure. Yeah, Penguin actually gets the cover of the uh, reprint. Makes so, sense. Yes. Penguin, Penguin's your bigger name, I guess, at this uh, at the time of this collection. Well, that's for sure, because I guess this 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 is your dead shot. Mm -hmm. And he showed up in, like, Batman 59 or something and has been in prison, never used since then. And if you saw what he looked like, he just looked like a Mandrake the Magician with a, with a Lone Ranger mask. Some interesting lettering flourishes on this page. Uh -huh. The meanwhile I like, but then also almost the little Nemo and Slumberland kind of uh, shaped balloon. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense for storytelling flow. It, it really does. Because it, it, it gets us right into this, and you read it kind of before you see what 
Deadshot is doing with the monocle. Yeah, and they waste no time. This is uh, there are a lot of panels per page throughout this story. I oh, think yeah. that's a trademark of this run of oh, comics, yeah. and you can see like there's a lot happening. He stole the monocle. He's cutting the la using it as a laser to cut a hole to escape while Penguin's trying to get it back all in one panel. Yeah, it's good. And, and no confusion. Shots of Jack Davis doing Slim Jim's ads before before Randy Macho Man Savage got the got the endorsement deal. By the way, I, I just saw a Slim Jim like a like an end cap kind of thing with Macho Man is still the endorse endorser. Rest in peace, man. That was some iconic shit. We that have was, that was a uh, ad campaign he took from WWE to WCW with him. Like that was considered part of the Macho Man package that you get the Slim Jim ad. Nice. That'll get you. That's a good contract deal. Deadshot escapes. This panel right here, I believe, is an homage to a uh, Will Eisner. There's a there's a story where three bad guys escape, and there's a shot like this with the with the um, searchlights, guys coming through the muck and mire on the other side of like an Alcatraz Island type joint. I gotta tell you, let's do a quick color. Let me do a quick color shot for those top three panels, so you can do like your uh, top top oh, okay. panel I see. I comparison. See I like the original colors better. I yeah. just think, you know, like, I don't read this as water in the reprint. Sure. Clearly it's water. It's a moat or something around there. Just little differences, but it's almost going to that gray-brown that we're going to see the 90s really take control of. It is. I do I do like the magenta caption against that blue. But I'd say overall the colors in this reprint are a more muted collection of colors. Absolutely. So we got a lot of ABC stories through this. This is a run of, of comics that our guys are doing. And uh, once again, there's more evidence of the marvelization of these comics because I have a bunch of these these old Batman comics, you know? They're one and dones, you know? Like maybe the new Adams, like he would, he would have like longer arcs that would revisit one another, but they're usually these one and done comics. We had the Oswald Cobblepot stuff wrap up. We've got some stuff that'll bear fruit whenever Hugo Strange or who, yeah Hugo Strange gives uh, shows up a third time. Something's going to happen. Maybe that'll be next issue. Actually, I think Joker's next issue. But regardless, I think it is part of why this run is known because it is ongoing subplots. It does feel like a a big an epic. Yeah. How about this establishing shot here? That's a lot of work on the page right there. Showing off those architectural chops that Marshall Rogers brings to the table. Detailed cars. You know, like like we often make fun of cars because they're usually so bad in comics. And you can see like different models of like a Cadillac there, I think, on that headlight. Uh, I, all the way back to, you know, you'd have like an old cab that's still out and running. Yeah, those old checker cabs that can fit about 12, 15 people inside that bitch. And, and about 10 luggages. Your buses have the rounded windshields in them and stuff like. A lot think, of attention to detail here. I think this comes from a photo. Probably. And Terry Austin was a crusty bunker guy. He knows how to do that shit. And he does not shy away from putting in those details. He's using the straight edges too on, on that architecture, dude. With those rapidographs, because it's a pretty dead line. It's a, it's a solid line. If you just look at the, the art, like, dude, with the muted color stuff, it, you know, sands the red and the green, it could be a Chris Ware joint. It's extremely tight. Yeah, and it's funny because like that's where the time was placed, like on this page, because the figure work, little wonk to it. But you know, it, it speaks to that idea of like, it's a sophisticated type of comic. It almost looks like it could be a European import kind mm -hmm. of comic. So at a time whenever a Batman comic really is aimed at a seven, eight, nine year old, 
this looks more sophisticated, yeah. you know, much more complex than your average comic art at the time. I took some good stuff away too from my own practice, man. Like the marble, uh, the way Terry Austin communicates that a couple of different ways. That's something that um, I'm curious, you know, like that comes up. If, sure. you, if you have some ornate kind of museum type structures, you gotta draw. So like that, that's a part that I'm gonna steal for my own use. Various little things, man creating some life with this with the smoke right here it's a good detail for a cityscape yeah that smoke it really feels lively right steam whatever that is um i love this kind of thing too the batman reflection gotta the, love the it. shadow of bruce wayne on the window it's not bruce wayne it's batman gotta love it because uh daytime bruce wayne's just a daytime mask for the batman yeah man this girl has some suspicions uh, about bruce's batman see batman 59 that was like the last time you saw this deadshot guy couple years back man yeah quite a few Commissioner Gordon rocking Joker's outfit <laughs> in my comic is he rocking it in yours the well, purple see the color scheme there you know it's a little bit it's still purple but that uh that that middle part not as pronounced so a little bit more muted there on your uh, on your shirt tasteful rethinking some of the color choices as we get into the 80s reprints <laughs> Terry Austin loves this Zipatone, man. He uses it in the um, X-Men comics that he inks over top of John Byrne. And it's a, it's this tone that I've incorporated into a lot of my stuff. And I think of him every time I use it. I'm a fan of this for an open panel where you have almost an organic color applied to the background. Totally. That blue. Get totally. like brush strokes on the end of it. First time I, I uh, really saw that would be uh, Marie Severin on EC Comics would do that often whenever the guys would give her, give him, yeah, give her an open panel to color. Look at the amount of work done on that very tiny panel. I don't know what Terry Austin looks like, but I wonder if he has Robert Crumb glasses <laughs> uh, from the work that he's done over top of guys like Byrne and and, and Rogers. I, I think he's a very, very important part of the of the mixture in these like late period 70s 100%. comics with, with Rogers. I think he makes Rogers sing. Uh, I think he made John Byrne sing. And uh, what, you know, what are the other great Marshall Rogers comics that that are with you know that have exhibit this kind of penmanship. I I, I don't know what that is. Yeah, it makes me wonder because there's Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange, I think that he does a like a pretty good couple issues on. And yeah. I think that might be Terry Austin back on the, the whole team, Beauty. right? Because I know that I, they I would so. they would promote uh, in Marvel house ads that the the Batman team, the famed Batman team, is going to be doing Doctor Strange comics now. Five ads before we get back to comics. Wow. That's a uh, that's a good time period. I don't think the '70s. This is this is like when DC kills all their books, right? Like I don't think this is a good time. But man, five pages of ads seems like you're uh, selling books. And you know what, dude? This would be a Michelle Fifa. You could rip out the whole piece Cut when you out. when you go bind your uh, your stories, man. One of the things that uh, I love when guys can pull it off. You do it well in color, uh, in in like the Image Street Angel stuff. The shadow of adjacent buildings on skyscrapers through the through the windows that's a very natural thing if you're looking at reference you like you see yes. it how do you communicate it they do it really well in ink let's show off the way that you do it in color man because i thought you you, you i think it. it's that as there's other ones you did too right but what you see are clouds yeah you know the cloud reflection and a little bit of building right mm -hmm. there dude super smart super smart jimmy one of the hallmarks is like it's it's very um well ruled you know, like the measurements in between all the girders, it all feels solidly 
laid out even these shapes dude this entire page has that yeah because like now you're looking from above a water tower and the water tower is in perspective yeah whenever they're eating dinner it's like real detailed around like their their table their booth there with that little bit of uh railing above it that you see from both sides yep terry austin cutting in background imagery just in in zips another thing that's terry... a tiny panel sure just going for it hardcore and another thing that uh austin would do with uh his guys is the hatchings he would um rule that stuff out and you would you will see examples where the hatching and it could be crosshatch even but it's ruled lines that are pretty evenly spaced it's just so clean yes yeah i think that clean is part of what makes me think of the european clean clear line style yeah no fuss or muss we see our deadshot guy uh, escape prison and he shows up you know after being in prison for decades <laughs> look at the update to his costume he's wearing a top hat and like a lone ranger mask and the next time he comes out this is what you're facing doesn't this feel futuristic batman recognizes him yeah right right <laughs> well yeah see it's the, it's the crosshair mm -hmm, his mm -hmm. name's either going to be crosshair or deadshot because the, this is the era where there's ca characters like there's that klaus jansen gene colin Batman where there's a guy called dagger and he carries daggers you know like they weren't they weren't stretching too far but doesn't this character look like a 90s character and this is 1977 this, yeah not too far off and it, down to the name mm -hmm. yeah I was actually kind of surprised to see him in here because I, I guess is he suicide squad is that yeah. what you said yeah I feel like I know him from like 80s books or something yeah. like that and and you could you could sell me on him being an 80s character design too sure but a 70s is pretty surprising yeah and it's 77. here here goes some of the hatchings man where austin is like rolling out lines how about that tech dude super detailed because he's using ellipse templates and compasses when you see two uh corresponding circles that are inked in that suggests compass use, not just like circle template use. And there are even circles on the inside. And to use a compass with an inking device is so tough because these are tight lines, probably rapidograph. I've never done it. It fucking sucks yeah. because here's what you have to do. First off, you need the cleanest rapidograph ever that has 100% flow. So it almost has to be like- somehow right yeah it almost has to be just a new rapidograph and the weight of the tool the weight of the compass has to be the only thing touching the paper because if you put any pressure you're fucking it up like it's not going to be a confident clean mm -hmm. line like this so it just has to be the weight of the tool as you bring the compass around and it's nerve-wracking you don't have two shots because it might you know get a thick line on the one side or something like that you just have to like kind of get it done you can't do it with a dip pen there's like a little holder to, to like <clears throat> tighten around your your repetitive. if i were doing this uh i would do it with templates sure because i have like architectural triangles that have also circles and all kinds of these different shapes and they're smaller yeah so they work for smaller circles as you get bigger is whenever you need a compass or if i have to do something bigger i end up doing like cups and plates and right. saucers and, right you know french curves i do french curves sometimes for circles because that that compass is so unwieldy but even in a situation where, where you have like stuff coming from kind of a, a center point you would like when you use templates you're going to be off 
you yeah. know, you're going to be off a little bit. And Austin just does not allow that for himself. He's, he stays on, dude. And he's using ellipses and shit around the muzzle of that uh, repeater or whatever. I'm not convinced those aren't freehand. No? If you look at this one on the side, which would be like, the, you're talking about these top holes. Sure. Yeah. Like, if you look at the side, that's another one of those ovals. And if you look close, that is not a perfect line. But that's the thing. If you have a few perfect line and a few straight edges, you can fake the other ones and get away with it much sure. easier because you're already seeing like, oh, that's a perfect circle on the on the middle. It's a perfect circle on your sight line next to it. You know, like you do a few perfect lines and then you can kind of fudge a few. One of the cool things about your, your version is you could see the tightness of the art a little bit better. And like, just look at the amount of work that's done on those background details there. It gets subdued with the blue. It's really consistent, that kind of tight background yeah. drawing. Yeah. And it's it's one thing to have like a half a splash page where it's like, oh, he really went all out. Right. But to have it in like these little, you know, ninth size pages, it's got to add up. Continuing the marvelization of, uh, of Batman, they're just swinging through the city and Joker's just hanging out on a rooftop. Uh, what is the Harlequin of Hate up to? Sorry. That must wait till next issue. You know, it's almost Stan Lee talking to you. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. That screen tone is pretty unique in a comic this time. Yeah. Another, uh, I assume, another Austin flourish. You know, putting a screen tone, a gradient screen tone down. Yeah, he's got a he's got a screen tone on on this rooftop as yeah. well. A uh, little inside baseball right there. Weisinger. This is Julie Schwartz. Like Weisinger was the Superman editor. Julie Schwartz, the Batman guy. So that's Julie giving a little shouts to his his homie. And now let's get super complex. Like with all the work that we've seen done, now let's do some like lettering in perspective. First off, keyboards, bitch to draw. I've done it a bunch of times. It sucks. And now you got that little uh, that little ball that has the type on it that, that hits the paper. And we're going to see that a bunch in perspective. It's, it's a globe. Did any comic book character encounter more giant size shit than Batman? That's what Gotham's about, baby. <laughs> I guess so. That's established, man. Shouts to Bill Finger. But these moments, like, this is not fucked up. Like, this is not fudged. It feels right. Also, also, whose job is that? Letterer? Can, can, can we trust the letterer to uh, do cylindrical, spherical the, the artist, right? typography? I give the artist credit for that. I could be wrong, but I assume that's the artist. Because the line work's worked in. It is. And we see it a lot of times, man. Yeah, I wouldn't want to draw that giant and, typewriter. In many a views, typewriter. Imagine it, having to draw a typewriter in perspective over and over. Literally in reflections of Deadshot's face. Yes. We see that little ball thing. What you know what that, that is? I, I don't know what it's called, but you, somebody took apart their typewriter to be able to use that as reference. So you're going to use it over and over. Well, that's the other thing, dude, because it's like, it's QWERTY. Like it's all, like all the lettering is exactly how it should be. That's the, that, that reflection shot of Batman in the mask. That's where you really see the dead shot eyeball. Yeah. Is like, that's his ear. In earpiece. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I'm going to hope, dude. You autograph this. That's what I'm gonna hope. Sure. You know, you you got your you project it and you fucking trace it because I can't imagine doing that on on a monthly basis. Yeah. You know, on four or five pages of of a monthly comic after do all the stuff that we've already seen. 
That's too much. It's super weird having Batman fighting on a giant typewriter. It's Batman. Like, it's Gotham. This, they're, they're taking it old school. They, they, they clearly have reverence for that old stuff with just the way they set up their pages with these thick borders with that uh, opening letter on all the captions. So they're taking it old school, man. They're like, we're not in the um, Neil Adams era right now. We're, we're going back. This was real 70s to me. Yeah, I was thinking that. that I, I agree. And also, like, now she's figured out Batman's Bruce Wayne. Silver Sable is on the job. Yeah. <laughs> and let's have a very clunky last panel to let you know that we're going to be doing Joker next issue. <laughs> we'll just put it in there. Yeah, you got to do it. You're selling books, right? Yeah. That's the promo. That's the equivalent of your wrestling promo. Like, you got to tell them where the event is, it, when man. it is. That's it, man. Dusty Rhodes, man, you don't understand a fucking word he says, but you understand when he says Friday at the Omni. That's, a, that's the clearest. No uh, no accent on that part. Yeah. <laughs> so there it is, man. We've got a Marshall Rogers, Steve Englehart, Terry Austin, issue of Detective Comics, under the microscope. Uh, this is one of those comics that... Uh, was speculated on a lot in those uh, late 70s after uh, X-Men comes back and is a big deal. Giant Size X-Men comes out. The back issue market is as vibrant as it ever was. And these retailers had to predict, you know, what's the next hot thing going to be. And they had to try to maybe even get the scoop on people. So we know people who speculated on the Rogers, Englehart, uh, Batman comics, and I don't think that they that served them bad. I don't think that that was a clunker for their operation. It took me forever to just get most of the Shadow of the Batman reprints. Like these, these are sought after books. They're not that easy to find. True. Definitely a high point, I think, of that time period. Yep. Uh, maybe from DC and Marvel, like one of the celebrated runs. Totally. And you can see a lot of the stuff in here that feels, if not contemporary, at least like ahead of its time for the 70s. That's a double truth, Ruth, man. You good to go? Yes. K-Faber's like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel and hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. Tell them what you have out there, Hulk Jimmy. Grand Design, Monster Madness. The issues are in stores now and available while supplies last. The oversized treasury collection will be out uh, beginning of next year. You can pre-order that now wherever you get books or comics. Street Angel Deadly Scroll Live, back in print from Image Comics. Eight full-color stories in Street Angel Deadly Scroll Live. So pick that up for the ninja action skateboarding comics fan in your life. And join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see lots more of my comics and art. Red Room... The Antisocial Network and Red Room Trigger Warnings are in stores as we speak. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit. Each of these book collections contains four issues of the Red Room series, 2021, 2022 issues right there. Every issue is self-contained, so if you see one of these books, give it a shot, man. You don't need the baggage of uh, the, the other materials, man, but if you dig it, please scoop up the other one and continue to support the project. On my Patreon right now, I have all of this material... Plus, I'm serializing new Red Room comics uh, for the price of $3 per month, man. So it's more than 300 pages worth of stuff. New strips every Tuesday. Hit up my link tree. You could get all these comics, uh, pre-order, order current comics, and hit up the Patreon. What else do we have, Jim? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, fanny packs, and more at the Spreadshop link below this video. Another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Given those marching orders, we'll be on our way, Jim. Read more comics.